0: So many things you need to do to get this all set up here. For an old man, I almost had to have a writing list of things just to make sure I had everything in place. Well, I feel very privileged to be able to share with you today. Uh, For those of you that don't know me, because maybe some people online don't know me. Uh, My name is Howard Moore many, many moons ago, and there are a few people who were around at that point. I actually was a youth pastor and then an associate pastor for a period of time before my wife and I went to France. And uh, we've been back in Stonewall since 2017. I'm now a member of the CMT, the leadership team um, within the church, uh, the the board. And uh, am delighted to have this opportunity. It's a real opportunity for me every time I get to share the Word of God because you're my spiritual family and I consider it a real privilege and an honor to be able to share with you from the Word of God this morning. But secondly, I am delighted to be able to share this morning because I think this is one of the key Sundays in a year. It's the first Sunday of a new year the first Sunday of 2022. So let me start off uh, by wishing you all, those of you that are here and those of you online, a uh, happy new year. Best wishes for the new year. A new year is always really important for me. Uh, it's usually in December and into January that I have some traditions I have some things that I do that are very traditional. First of all, calendars. I have a calendar in every room in our house, I think. And uh, I'm so thankful for the local businesses who provide the calendars. I don't know if you ever get them from local business. i likely get from every local business. I have a calendar. And maybe that's why they keep producing them every year. I may be the one that keeps it going. I had this is from my office, the one I had last year. Stonewall Pharmacy gave me a scenic Canada one, so I got to see different parts of last year. This year, it's big block here in town, doing a little advertising for them. <laughs> um, this is a wildlife portrait, portraits, and I'm looking forward to this. I already got quite a bit written down for January with a great big elk looking at me. So that's, that's an important tradition. As a matter of fact, I'm kind of known in our home for Christmas gifts, guess what I give? Calendars uh, to all of the family. So, and I try to choose a calendar that kind of fits with their personality or where they are. Secondly, I, I depend on these yet, yeah, I'm old school. Uh, I do have a calendar on my phone but I, I must say, I neglect sometimes to put the, the, the different uh, things that I have coming, and I just love having these. So if I panic someday, it's because I can't find this one. So every January or at the end of December, I transfer the information from 2021 across to 2022. As a matter of fact, if you ask Julie Robinson, I missed an appointment for a haircut. Fortunately, she was available to have it later because I was transferring from one to the other and forgot to put that date in. So that's a big thing for me. But another big thing is this is a moment for me, and I would imagine it is for you too, to evaluate last year. Your accomplishments, what you failed to accomplish, as well as lay down some new plans for the new year. It's always important for me to establish what are my priorities for the new year. So I'm going to start off by asking you the question, what are your priorities for 2022? This morning... I would like to take some time to review for you what I consider to be important thoughts from the Bible that guide us as we look at the new year and determine our priorities for this new year. See, our society would suggest that we should develop some personal, some family, and some work resolutions for the year. I think that's actually a good idea. But let's take a moment this morning to see what God would like us to look at as we make our plans for the new year. And a key verse that I'm often drawn to at this time of the year is actually found in the book of Psalms, and it's Psalm 90. So if you have your Bibles, whether electronic or an actual Bible book that you can read. If you want to turn to Psalm 90, whether here in this building or at home, Psalm 90. We're going to look at this psalm together. A key verse that from Psalm 90 is actually right in the middle. It's verse 12. And it's there on the screen. You can see it. I'm just going to read it in the New International Version, which is the version I often use. It says this, Teach us to number our days aright. No, that's a word we don't use very often. But teach us to number our days aright that we may gain a heart of wisdom. What does the psalmist mean by that? I thought about that quite a bit over the last uh, few days as I've been reflecting on this. Numbering my days. I tend to often take things very literally. So I start thinking, do you think he's asking us to actually number our days? So you know what I did? Got out my phone. See, I do use electronic stuff. Got out my phone and I googled numbering numbering the days and I actually found out that you can put the date of your birth and you can put any date down there and it gives you the number of days so I did it so as of today I have lived 25,442 days does that impress you wow thank you okay Actually, what it does show is that I am old, so I don't know whether that's an encouragement or not. 25,442 days. Sobering. So I kind of broke it down a little bit more, and, I, you know, I lived in Saskatchewan. I'm sorry, there, I call it the promised land. I don't want to get you thinking it's Palestine. Um, I, for 6,691 days, that was in my childhood And as a teenager, I lived in Stonewall the first time I mentioned that I was here before for 5,904 days. Now, it wasn't always here because I did go off to seminary in the United States, but this was kind of my home address while I was away. As a family, Karen and I and our three kids, we lived in France for 6,432 days. Karen and I came back in 2004 and moved into the greater Toronto area, the GTA, namely Oshawa, and we were there for 4,733 days. And now we've moved back to Stonewall since 2017, and we live in Stonewall now, or have lived in Stonewall, for 1,621 days. Is that really what he asked us to do? Well, I think not. I think actually what he is doing here is he's actually giving to us this in a figurative sense. A figurative understanding of would be to assess the importance and the impact of your life on earth. In fact, the New Living Translation says it this way. Teach us to make the most of our time. So that we may grow in wisdom. To make the most of our time. Not to accomplish necessarily the most for ourselves. But to make our lives count in the right areas. The second part of the verse gives the reason for this prayer. So that we may gain A heart of wisdom, or as it says here in the New Living Translation, so that we may grow in wisdom. What's wisdom? Well, a very simple definition, in my opinion, is wisdom, knowledge, coupled with experience. I think back to the first time I was here in Stonewall as a youth pastor and associate pastor. I was at Bible college when I started. I graduated from Bible college, then I went off to seminary, and I came back, and I was an associate pastor here. I had a whole lot of knowledge. From Bible college and seminary, I learned a lot about the scriptures. I learned a lot about Bible. I learned a lot about theology. I learned a lot, had a lot of courses on being a pastor, different aspects of ministry. It was all up here, and it was coming back and actually being in this church, and I'm very thankful to this church, that allowed me to gain experience because knowledge was not enough. I needed the experience, and that helped me so much when I went to France because I felt like I had learned a lot of things by experience as well. As just general knowledge. Proverbs chapter 1, verse 7 in the Bible gives us an important verse that's important, I think, for us as we enter into this year. Here's what it says The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. It's not the end of wisdom, it's the beginning of wisdom. So what does that mean? Well, what's the fear of the Lord? Now, there are some people who say, well, the fear of the Lord is to run away from Him, to hide from Him, to deny that He exists. Just ignore Him. Is that really the way to be wise? Is that kind of the starting point to become wise? That's certainly not what the Scriptures would say. So what does the fear of the Lord mean? The fear of the Lord means to recognize, to respect, and to acknowledge that God is the Lord. He's the foundation of knowing. He's the foundation of gaining wisdom. So if we start off with this idea of recognizing that it is actually God as our starting point, that's where we begin to gain wisdom. So, what's important for us to learn in terms of wisdom? It's important to know what the Word of God says about reality, the truths that are important for us. And that's why I'd like to spend some time, in the rest of the time that we have together, in Psalm 90, just for us to look very quickly at different things. That's, that the psalmist would say here. Now, a little bit of background first for Psalm 90. If you'll notice, in the text, if most of you have a text in front of you that would maybe have the title, and then immediately after the title, before verse 1 begins, there is a statement there, and that's called a superscription. superscription. And many of the psalms have them. This one has it, and although it may not be part of the sacred text, the the original text, this was put in very early in the tradition of, of, of the scriptures, and most commentaries believe it is very true. So here's what this one says, a prayer of Moses, the man of God. So prayer, we know that it's going to be something where it's addressed to god it's a prayer secondly moses wow he's the man who lived uh, 1400 1500 somewhere in that bc he was the one who god raised up to take the people out of egypt through the exodus wandering up to the mount sinai getting the law from mount sinai And then on their way to the promised land, and of course they refused to believe God to enter the promised land, and they wandered in the wilderness. And Moses was a leader during all that time. Then eventually, with the next generation, Moses took them right up to the border. And God said, that's it. And he went up into the mountain and died but he learned a lot about god himself and his relationship to god from that and i would say therefore it says here that he was a man of god i would say he was a man of wisdom as well so let's look in this verse in this uh, psalm to try to find out what he would suggest to us that would help us to understand as we make the most of our time let's begin at verses one and two i'm just going to go through different sections and i'm going to emphasize different things because we learn about a lot about god from these verses in these two verses he not only addresses god in prayer he actually talks about god he tells god about himself notice what he says lord You've been our dwelling place throughout all generations. Before the mountains were born and you brought forth the whole world. From everlasting to everlasting you are God. There are three things I just want to emphasize from here. First of all, it says God is eternal. In fact, I will use a phrase, I'd say God is doubly eternal. Now that doesn't really make sense, but here's the reason why I would say that. You and I were created. There was a beginning for our lives. But doesn't the Scripture say that we will live forever? We will live forever, eternal life. That's the promise that God has given to us. So there's a sense in which we're eternal. We will live forever. But God is doubly eternal because He's eternal in the past. He's eternal in the future. He has always been So God's looking at time is different than we do. But God is truly, truly eternal. From everlasting to everlasting. Secondly, it says in here, God is creator. He's the one that put it all together. He's the one that started before the mountains were born. You brought forth the whole world. It's talking again about God being creator. And then the third thing it mentions there, he says it right in the very first phrase, Lord, you have been our dwelling place. Now, that's Moses. Our would refer to the children of Israel. And Moses had learned that God was Israel's dwelling place. Now, in the Old Testament, God is referred to often as refuge. He is our refuge. What's a refuge? A refuge, well, in this very cold weather that we have, there are refuges in Winnipeg right now. That's a place where people who are homeless can go to have shelter. And it is very true that God is our refuge. But this goes even beyond that. It doesn't say here, God is our refuge. It says, God is our home. I don't know about you, but this morning, I got up this morning and we were at breakfast and I always pray at the very beginning and I I was struck by the fact that outside, because later on I would start our vehicle, one vehicle we had outside, it didn't want to start this morning. It did start, but it complained and I was inside a nice warm house. I was home. I was there, but it's, it's, it's not just a place that protects me, it's my home. And that's what Moses says God is our home. We can feel at home. That's a wonderful start, I think. Let's move on. Verses three to six, there's a shift. He's still praying to God, but notice what he says. You turn people back to dust, saying, return to dust, you mortals. A thousand years in your sight are like a day, you could say, for man that has just gone by, or like a watch in the night. By the way, a watch in the night is a period of time when somebody is watching out for other people, a guard, and that's usually three to four hours a night. That's what often the significance of that would have been in the Old Testament history. Yet you sweep people away in the sleep of night of death. They are like the new grass of the morning. In the morning, it springs up new, but by evening, it's dry and withered. What's he emphasizing here? The focus is now on man. And what does he say about man? He actually makes a reference back to Genesis. And in Genesis, it says that we come from dust, And he's saying, you return to dust. By the way, that's why this psalm is quoted often at funerals. As a matter of fact, in internment at some tradition, church traditions, they read this psalm and part of the psalm and then read 1 Corinthians 15 that talks about the resurrection. And that's the reason that dust To dust. What is he emphasizing here? He's emphasizing not only that man returns to dust. He does it quickly. It goes quickly. A thousand years in one sight to God. Just like a day. Just like three or four hours. Sweep people away like a flood that comes in like happened in B.C. recently. Catches people unprepared. And they're gone. He says it's kind of like grass in the Middle East in the morning because of the dew and everything. is nice and green, but it's so hot there that by evening it's dry and it's withered. So what's he emphasizing? He's emphasizing, man, life goes by quickly for man. It's short. That's the emphasis that he makes. Then let's go on to verses 7 to 10. Another aspect about man. We are consumed by your anger. We are terrified by your indignation. You have set our iniquities before you and our secret sins in the light of your presence. Wow, there's two different concepts that come through there. He introduces God's anger and God's indignation. Related to our iniquity and our secret sins. Then he goes on to say, All our days pass away under your wrath. We finish our years with a moan, groaning. Our days may come to 70 years or 80 if our strength endures. And I might say, it could today even go a little further. Just a little bit that some of you may know, some of you may not. My mother passed away on November the 17th of this year. If you were to ask me at the beginning of September, I would tell you my mother took less medication than I'm taking. She was in marvelously good health, 97 years old, And this Thursday, she was going to turn 98. But September, in the middle of September, something happened. And her health went down very quickly. And in a month's time, she was gone. Our life is transitory. It will go quickly. I must say Sounded a little carnal on my part, but I began to realize as I was visiting her in the hospital, and uh, every time I visited her in the hospital, I'd say, Mom, I want to pray for you as I was going to leave. She would look at me and she said, Howard, I want you to pray that the Lord will take me. Now, I don't know if you've ever had a mother or a father that have actually prayed That God would take them or have someone. Because you got to be honest before God. Do I really want her to go? And it was at that moment that I released her. And I could honestly say, Lord, take her. That's what she wants. Take her. And he did. That was a very big moment for me yet the best of them are but trouble and sorrow for they quickly pass away and uh, quickly pass and we fly away so if i understand what he's trying to say here when we look to man what we see is our life is short for some it's shorter than others and not only that we stand before god and He sees us as we are. And we know our sinfulness. We know our iniquities. And not only that, we experience sorrow. We moan together. That's what Moses emphasized in these verses. Let's move on to verses 11 and 12. If only we knew the power of your your anger. Your wrath is as great as the fear that is your due. How much fear is due to God? All fear. And his wrath is as large as that. Wow! That would be the moment if I was a psalmist that I would put that little word in there that you'll find often in a psalm. Selah. S-E-L-A-H. Take a breath. Think about it for a little bit. Doesn't look too good. God, who He is, man, who we are, it doesn't look good. But that's where Moses, the man of wisdom, moves on. And he starts in verse 13. Let's go to 13 and 16. What does he say? Relent, Lord. How long will it be? The word relent, uh, we don't use that too often. It just means come back on what would be naturally what's going to happen. Lord, come back on that. Come back. Change it. Because up until now, the way things look, it's doomed. Doomed. But he says, no, come back. Notice all these different requests that he makes. This is truly praying for things now. Have compassion on your servants. Satisfy us in the morning with your unfailing love. That word, unfailing love, actually it's a phrase in English. It actually is just one word in Hebrew. And it's, it's a word, chesed, which means... His loving loyalty. It's actually bringing two words together. It's bringing two concepts together. It's bringing love. That's why it's often translated in English as loving kindness. Loving kindness. But if you look at that simply as the English word loving kindness, sometimes we miss it because behind it all, it's based on a covenant. It's based on a promise And does God ever break his promise? No. God promises, he commits himself to love. And Moses clings on to that verse, uh, clings, clings, clings on to that word in this particular moment. Because when he sees who God is, when he sees who he is, or we are, then he says, yeah, but this is what our God is too. He is full of loving kindness. So move on. Let's read what he says as a result of that. Satisfy us in the morning with your unfailing love, that we may sing for joy and be glad all of our days. Make us glad for as many days as you have afflicted us. In other words, continue to acknowledge that we have been afflicted, we are suffering, we are moaning. But Lord, in the midst of it, make us glad. For as many as the days we have seen of trouble, may your deeds be shown to your servants. And then he says, and your splendor to their children. And as a grandparent, I would say to their grandchildren as well. He opens up his heart. He opens up his life and says, God, respond to us. We are in need of you. Respond. Have compassion. Reach out to us. And then in verse 17, he says, this is the final request. Notice what he says. May the favor of the Lord our God rest on us. And then, I like the second part, because then and only then does he pray about our work. And notice what he says. Make, establish the work of our hands. Or I would translate it, make us successful. But he's come through all that description as to what success is now going to be. What's that success going to be? It's following, it's relying on God to bless us and to work through us in making a difference in our lives. So the success is a powerful uh, expression of doing what God has created us to do, What a powerful overview, in my opinion, of how we can align our lives in order to attain wisdom in life. Let's keep our focus on our God, the eternal creator, who is our foundation and our rock. Let's be cognizant of our life on earth. It's short, it's fleeting. Of our weakness and tendency to sin, our lives are always exposed before him. But our li- and our life of potential and real trials and afflictions, but God's unfailing love is there. We can therefore turn to Him, and we can lean on Him to lead us, to guide us, empower us, give us wisdom, so that our lives are successfully accomplishing what He desires for us. So as we enter into 2022, we haven't got a clue what's happening. We don't know what's going to happen. These pastors over here, they're just they just live from week to week. That's about it. Okay? Day to day. Day to day. Okay. What's going to happen next Sunday? <laughs> we don't know. They have tentative plans, but they could change. It seems like that's what's going to be in our personal lives as well. But we can always fall back on what Psalm 90 is really telling us to do, isn't it? And I'd like to challenge every one of us that as we move into 2020, maybe Psalm 90 and the perspective that comes through in this psalm guide us as we move ahead into this new year. I'd, I'd just like to very quickly point out three different groups in our, in our congregation. I want to speak to the young people. Those that are youth, I admire you. You've got, as far as we can see, normal A long life ahead. Of course, we can see here relatively. It's pretty fleeting. But you do have more time, certainly on earth, than I do. Look at it as a long haul. And invest in your life so that it becomes a life of wisdom. As you invest in your life. Paul said to Timothy at one point, discipline yourself for godliness. And he talks about disciplining physically. It's good. So if you're exercising, you're doing things, you're going to the gym, or you're skating, playing hockey, uh, different kinds of things like that, it's good. It's good for the body. It's good for the body. I got my skates out. I'm intending to get really skating this this winter uh, if it warms up a little bit. But... um, Because I, I need that exercise. It's good. Paul says it's good, but it's limited. But he says, if you discipline yourself for godliness, that not only has an effect on you today, it has an effect on eternity. So as young people, I would say, as you move into this new year, make that a priority in your life. Disciplining yourself for godliness for those of you that are kind of middle-aged, you're right in the midst of activities and responsibilities that are heaped on your back. Family, work, and in personal as well. I challenge you that as you go into this, this year, remember who God is, remember who you are, and then remember to to draw in, to lean on the loving kindness of God in your lives. And for those of you that are older, that's me, my peers. It seems like in this culture, you race towards retirement so you can finally retire. Retire. And then I, th- I feel, I see a lot of people who after that scrounge and saying, now what am I going to do? And they struggle with how to do it. God set this up in such a way that you can have a fruitful, successful life right until the Lord takes you. But I challenge you in 2022 to say, Lord, what would you have me to do with the experience of life that I have. Sometimes you may feel that the younger generation is not interested in hearing from you. But are you praying for them? Are you encouraging them? Are you taking the initiative to encourage them? Because that's the role you can play in their lives. And as opportunities arise, you can make an impact in their lives. So my challenge to you today is make the most of the time so that you may grow in wisdom. That's what we want it to be. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I do thank you for your word. Lord, your word, once we really study and get into it, we realize just how much of an impact it can make in our lives Thank you for guiding Moses to write as he did for us and uh, what he has said to us here about numbering our days. Help us to make the most of our lives for this year. Thank you for the new year that's coming. I think in some ways you have set it up so that we would be destabilized enough that we will look to you. But we realize you're still on the throne and you're still looking to reach out with your loving kindness and to make our lives successful. For your glory, I pray this. Amen.